What follows is message number four of five of the Fall 2014 College Conference in Latham Springs, Texas. Conference title is A Vision of Christ in the Church. Message title is The Spirit, the Reality of Christ. Okay, uh, I'd like to, again, sorry, I, I had to come up to the conference a little later. So I want to see all the freshmen. I don't care if it's your first, second, third conference. Could all the freshmen please stand up? Yeah. Very good. We want to welcome you. Okay. You know, many times we go back to our localities and they ask, well, what did you enjoy? What did you get out of the conference? And uh, we, we have you know, answers like, oh, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, what was good? And uh, yeah, that was excellent, that conference. Um, yeah, it was tremendous. I really enjoyed that conference. Well, what did you enjoy? Okay, well, to begin with, if you know this song, number one, you have a lot to say. So I, I think, so we won't miss it. Uh, could we all read stanza one together? Let's go ahead and read stanza one. Ready? Go. Okay, and you consider, you know, Friday night, Tom shared, and basically he shared about the all-inclusive Christ. That's the land. Uh, then today, we had a time this morning in the Word, and then this afternoon on the blood, so we've covered two of the equipment that we need to take the land. So let's do this way. How about the sisters read stanza two? Ready, sisters, go. We have the Okay, we have the blood. Okay, brothers, how about number three? Ready, go. We have the Okay, then tonight we'll cover the matter of the spirit. So let's go ahead together and read verse four together. Ready, go. The ours. And then finally, of course, we have the church. We'll get in that, into that tomorrow morning. Uh, I do want to go back just for a second and, and uh, touch a few of the points from this afternoon. I thought the sharing this afternoon was excellent on the blood. And uh, I was considering, boy, if you're an unbeliever in the world, you have got problems. I was just considering when Carrie was sharing, I was thinking, okay, Number one, you're apart from God. Number two, you have a serious problem with your conscience. And I mean, didn't you get the, you know, the kind of the kind of picture in your mind of the doctors with all the pills 
and they're prescribing all these pills because people don't know what to do with their conscience. And brothers, we only have one dose. We only have one agent, and it works every time, and it's called the precious blood of Christ. We don't need pills. We need the blood. Brothers, what a great thing to have the blood of Christ. Great thing. And then, you know, these people in the world, they're just bombarded by the enemy day and night. We have something that deals with the accuser of the brethren. Brothers, what, what a great thing. And, you know, I was considering, you know, you go out in the gospel on the campus and uh, you start talking to someone from another religion. And uh, they start, you know, you have a little kind of tit for tat. You're just, you know, kind of going back and forth. And, and uh, they're talking, you know, about how great their religion is. You know what I usually do at that point? I say, okay. You've said all these things. Sounds very good. I want to know one thing. And if you answer me that one thing, then I'll be happy. What does your religion do for the problem of sin? And you'd be amazed. Once you ask that question, what does your religion do for the problem of sin? They have no answer. Or if they do, it's a very, very weak answer. Brothers, no one, no one out there, don't ever be bullied or pushed down by anyone. No one out there has the answer for sin. The only answer is the blood of Christ. That is the only answer. And brothers, we have it and we believe it and we apply it every day. Brothers, hallelujah for the blood of Christ. Can we say that together? Hallelujah for the blood of Christ. Brothers, it is powerful. It is powerful. It's powerful. Every time we apply the blood, that blood is powerful. Well, then tonight, we have the spirit, the reality of Christ. So let me ask this question. How many electrical engineers do we have? Okay, all the electrical engineers stand up. Yeah, electrical engineers. Okay, not too many. I guess it's a hard subject. Okay, thank you. Okay, you know, it's one thing to have the knowledge, you know, you go, you know, you study in the books about electricity and how it works and everything like that to, to know all about electricity. And then it's another thing to stick your hand in the socket. And when you do that, you get the reality of electricity. In other words, all the book learning never got you to that point, but once you touch electricity, you realize, whoa, this is electricity. You know what, in the same way, we can learn all the different things about Christ. How many items Christ is in this book? How many items Christ is in that book? We can say, well, he's this, he's that. But until you stick your spirit in the socket, which is to touch the life-giving spirit, it's just knowledge. But once we touch the spirit, we touch the reality of Christ, everything of Christ becomes real in our experience. This is why we want to spend tonight on this matter of the spirit, the reality of Christ. So in number one, it says Christ becoming the spirit. And in A, it says the promise of the comforter. Christ realized as the spirit and abiding in the believers. So I put these two verses in John 13 because I wanted to give you a little background here. The Lord said, little children, I'm still with you a little while. 
you will seek me, and even as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he at this point is saying, I'm going. And then in 36, Simon Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I go, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. You know, you know what the first verse in John 14 is right after he said this? First verse is, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, he's telling them, he's been with them for three and a half years, and he's telling them, I'm going. And, you know, you consider all the things they did with the Lord, and now all of a sudden he's going. And they were troubled. And so you read on in John 14, and verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Underline that, another comforter, that he may be with you forever. Another comforter. You know what this implies, another comforter? This implies there's already a comforter there. Just the fact that he says, I'm going to give you another comforter. This implies there is a comforter, and he's already there. And you know who that comforter is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, he's going to give us another comforter. Who is it? Then you read verse 17. Let's read 17 together. Ready? Go. Okay, I'm going to give you another comforter, and then he defines that comforter, and he says, even the spirit of reality. Then it says, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him. English majors, who does him refer to? Does not behold him. Who does it refer to? It refers to the spirit of reality, or know him. Who does know him refer to? The spirit of reality. But you know him because he abides with you and shall be in you. Then, verse 18, all of a sudden, him changes to I. So let's read verse 18 together. Ready? Go. You know, if, if I was writing here, I'd say, he is coming to you. Why does he say, I am coming to you? Then in verse 19, yet a little while and the world beholds me no longer, but you behold me because I live. You also shall live. Then read verse 20 together. Ready? Go. So what is going on here? I'm asking, what is going on here? He's going to give you another comforter. It's the spirit of reality. And he has all these pronouns here, him, 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 he. And now it changes to I. And in that day, which is the day of resurrection, you will know something. There's going to be a change right here. You're going to know something. That I'm in my Father and you and me, and I in you. What is going on here? You know what was going on here? The Lord realized that he was going through a process of death and resurrection, and that he was going to change his form. Write that down. He was going to change his form, and he was going to become the life-giving spirit. And so 
he was preparing, this is before the day of resurrection, he was preparing the disciples for the biggest turn in the universe. That they were going to go from knowing a physical Jesus that they had been with for three and a half years to know him as the Spirit. Brothers, think about it. John's laying his head on the breast. They're there at the house of Lazarus with Mary, Martha, and Jesus wept. They're crossing the sea. The winds are blowing. The waves are churning. And Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. You have to think about all the things they did with the physical Jesus. And then all of a sudden he says, there is going to be a big change here. You no longer are going to know me as a physical Jesus. You're going to know me as the Spirit. And that in that day, I'm going to be in you. Now, this was not an easy turn. You know, for us, because we grew up in a Christian society, we read the Bible, we can, we can get used to it. But you have to put yourselves in their shoes. Living with the Lord for three and a half years, going through all the things with the Lord, and then he says, I'm going. But I'm coming, but I'm coming in another way. I'm coming as the Spirit. And this is a huge, huge turn. So you look at that, that next point, B, and uh, it says, coming as the Spirit to be breathed into the believers. And of course, we have the famous verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Uh, I'll just read the last half of it. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So there they are, and it says, it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. This is the day of resurrection when Christ rose from the dead. And the Bible doesn't waste any words. What does it say about the doors? Were the doors open? It says the doors were shut. Where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So how did he get in? Just think about it. How did he get in? The doors were shut. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, and it was almost as though he was there. They're there for fear of the Jews. And what's the first words out of his mouth? Peace be to you. You know, this is now a pneumatic Christ. This is a Christ who's the Spirit. He's there all the time. They're there. The doors are shut. They're in fear of the Jews. And then he speaks, peace be to you. And he stands in their midst. He said to him again, peace be to you. As the Father has sent you, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't you have the feeling he was getting them ready for this turn? Peace be to you. What, what is about to happen right now? I have lived 33 and a half years for. I've gone through death. I've gone through resurrection. I've gone through a process. So eventually I could become breath to get into you. And I don't believe that the disciples fully realized what was going on. Uh, when Christ breathed himself into them. And a lot of times we give, you know, the disciples a hard time. But, you know, you just check your experience. When you were regenerated, did you fully, did you fully realize that Christ came into you? 
you know, I've heard this. Well, Christ came into my life. Okay. Sounds good. Christ came into my life. Well, Christ is like a friend with me. He walks with me. He's with me. You know, he's with me. But do we fully realize that when we're regenerated, Christ himself came into us? Okay, so, you know, you guys are all college students. You're, you know, been studying the word. All the interns got up here, which I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, been not just receiving, but outflowing. Can one of the students stand up and give me one verse to show that Christ is in us? Without looking at your quick looking at your phone or anything like that, I'd just like to know if one student could give us one verse to show that Christ is in us. Joanna, do you have one? Okay, stand up, tell us. That's good, Joanna. Okay, that whoa, wait, you're not finished. Okay, Joanna, that's good. I'll give you a C if you can tell us what book it's in. Can anybody help her? Colossians, good. Okay, now, can anybody tell us what verse that is? Okay, you better write this down. I'm going to write these verses on the board. Who, who, who can, without looking at your device, well, I gave you it's chapter one, I already, okay, what verse is it? Say again? Okay, we'll just say 27. Okay, can you stand up and read it? Colossians 1.27. Did you find it? <laughs> or, somebody might have told you, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. 127, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Joanna got the, the, the phrase. Okay, that's one. How about another one, Students? You know, when I write, I'm going to write four verses up here. I want you to remember these. Okay, stand up. Wait, 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 wait. We have a sister here. Yeah. Ooh. What is it? Very good. Excellent. Galatians 2.20. Good. Okay, there's two more. Okay, if you, get, if you get all four, you get a trip to the check stop for some kolaches. <laughs> I already heard about brothers. They already have trips planned tonight. I, I know all about it. Okay. Okay, how about another verse? Students, show Christ in you. I mean, it specifically says Christ in you. No full-timers, don't, Okay. That's a very good verse, but, okay, Joe, no, Joe, that's a good verse, but that's the Spirit being in you. No, no, it has to say Christ. Christ. I need another verse where, oh, Romans 8.10, okay, who said that? What does it say, brother? Say, read it again. Excellent. Good. Okay, now this next one's graduate school. But a really critical verse. 
Carrie, you can't tell them. <laughs> Check stop after the meeting. Come on, there's got to be one student that's going to get this verse. One student. Ty, get ready because you're going to go through all four of these. So get ready, Ty. We need your spirit, bro. Okay, what do you have? That's a very good verse, but it still doesn't show Christ is in me. To me, to live is Christ. Very good verse. That was a good try, but not a kolache. Okay, <laughs> what do you got, bro? Okay, he's going with me to the check stop. <laughs> Second Corinthians 13, 5. Very good. Okay, go ahead, brother. Okay, listen to that. You have to test yourselves. You know, someplace it says examine yourselves, and it says unless you fail the test. And it says, don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? You know, a lot of times we ask, what makes you a real Christian? That's a, you know, if you're on campus and you're out preaching the gospel, ask people sometime, what, what constitutes a real Christian? You wouldn't believe some of the answers. I go to church every Sunday. I read the Bible. I, read, I, know, I keep the Ten Commandments. Okay, this verse here gives you the litmus test of whether you're a real Christian or not, and that is test yourselves, examine yourselves. Don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? And, the, and some of the verses say, unless you fail the test. The true test of whether someone is a real Christian or not is whether Jesus Christ is in you. All right, so Ty, you go through these with a release spirit, all four of them, yeah. And you can, have, you can have young Will help you over there. But, but Ty, you've got to use your spirit. You've got to be excited about it. Okay? That's right. Amen. 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 Right. Okay, Jared, can you do that? We need to have a freshman representative. Come on, Jared, go through that, Jared. Amen. Okay, can he can he just go through a tie? Let let. Let the man go through it. Jackie, get ready. Yeah. Amen. Test yourself. 
I think you missed one. Yeah. You know what, Jared? You have a good spirit. Amen. Very good. Okay. Do we have a sister that could get up? And uh, let's raise the bar a little bit. Without reading it, just say the phrase. Like, for instance, so you, you look at this right here and you say, oh, see here, Colossians 1.27, it says clearly, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just that phrase. Then in Galatians 2.20, it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. Just that phrase. Then this one, and if Christ is in you. Just that phrase. And then 2 Corinthians, don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? See, I'm not even asking for the whole verse, but you say, brothers and sisters, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Galatians 2.20, not I, but Christ lives in me. Romans 8.10, and if Christ is in you, 2 Corinthians 13.5, don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? I know, I make it sound easy. I know it's hard. Okay, I just want to testify. In 1984, I was on the campus with this brother. That was a few years ago. Few. <laughs> and he drilled these verses into me when I was a junior in college. Good. And he had a diagram. <laughs> I'm glad. And he had a diagram. Yeah, I could do that, but I don't want to take up all the time. <laughs> we'll talk about the diagram in the future. Yeah, the Roman but, road and the Corinthian pillars, that's I know. Right. <laughs> and the don't forget, Christ is in you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jackie, are you ready? Jackie, and be released, Jackie. You can do it. Yeah, well, say the verse first. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you can get some help. Amen. Amen. Good. Okay, I, I would say go back and learn these four verses. These verses show us Christ is in us. He's not just in my life. He's not just a friend that's next to me helping me through life. Christ liveth in me. Can we all sing that chorus together? Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation is that Christ liveth in me. Sisters. Brothers.
together. Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation is that Christ liveth in me. Okay, then in Roman rule 2, it says the big turn from knowing Christ without objectively to knowing Christ within subjectively. And so in B, you know, what we just finished was he breathed into them, said receive the Holy Spirit. And probably they weren't so clear what actually happened. You just have to realize to go from being with a physical Jesus for for three and a half years, it was too big a jump for the disciples. It was just too big a jump. And so he had to spend a period of 40 days to train the disciples to realize, to enjoy, and to practice his invisible presence. That's why we have Acts 1-3 there. Why don't you read it together? Ready? Go. Okay, then 21-1A. Go ahead. Ready? Go. So periodically, the Lord would manifest himself to the disciples. There was a time uh, when Thomas missed the first meeting, and uh, then eight days later, the Lord manifested himself again. And he was doing this because they needed a transition period to get to know him as the invisible Christ living within them. And so every time that he would appear, this was a strengthening of their faith to believe and enjoy his invisible presence living within them. So this is why the Lord needed that 40-day period, that transition period. Uh, Then, but that was for the disciples. How about us? So you read B together. Let's read B. Go. Okay, then could we all read 2 Corinthians 5.16 and, and every time the word we appears in the verse, let's really emphasize the word we. Okay, ready? Go. we know him no longer according to the flesh. So how do we know him? Well, you read the next verse. Ready? 2 Corinthians 3.17. Ready? Go. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Brothers, we know him according to the Spirit. No longer according to the flesh. The Lord is the Spirit. And to know him as the Spirit, we have to know where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? Well, okay, let me give you an example. Come on up, Tom. Since you already came up, I can use you <laughs> illustration. So here's Tom Little. I don't know how he got the last name Little. He's, you know, <laughs> but anyways, it's Little, you know. Uh, Tom, tell me what city you live in. Arlington. Arlington. So if I want to go visit Tom Little and all he tells me is Arlington, it's going to be a lot of door knocking before I find out where he lives, right? Uh, what street do you live on in Arlington? Sheffield. 
Sheffield. Okay, so is, is it a big street or is it a medium size? How big a street is it? Not too big, but still, even he told me Sheffield, it would take a little time to find him. But go ahead and write on the board your address. <laughs> ah, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Gonna... All right. So Arlington, Texas, even we have a zip code, wow. So, you know, if you go to that address, he might be home, he might not be home. Okay, let's say even he's home. He might be home, but he doesn't offer me anything to drink, he doesn't offer me anything to eat. He's home, but he's home in a poor way. When you come to the Lord's address, He's always home. And not only is he always home, he's always rich. Always has some supply for you. So, you know, Tom, he had to go through all this gyration here, 3304, you know, Sheffield Drive. You know, I mean, it took a while to get that up here. You know, it's really simple where the Lord's home is. It's the first is our, and then human. Spirit. Brothers, do you want to know where the Spirit is today? Our human spirit. Let's say that together. Our human spirit. Okay, brothers, 2 Timothy 4.22. Thanks, Tom. Ready? Go. Sisters. Okay, together. Okay, all the freshmen stand up and read this. Ready? Read it, read it three times with your spirit. I just love to hear the freshmen. Ready? Three times. Ready? Go. The Lord be with your spirit. A little stronger. The Lord be with your spirit. Again. The Lord be with your spirit. Okay, where is the Lord today? What's his address? That's his address. And every time you go there, thank you, freshman. Every time you go there, he is there. Every time. And every time you go there, not only is he there, he's rich. Very, very rich. So let's read 1 Corinthians 6 17. Ready? Go. Okay. One spirit. We're one spirit with him. Do you realize there's one third of your being? That is one with the Lord all the time. Brothers, all the time. I mean, that is, Tim, that's hard to comprehend. When I'm in my emotions, I'm angry at somebody in my household. That's hard to comprehend all the time. Aubrey, all the time. When Trevor's giving you a hard time, all the time. All the time. This person is one with your spirit. All the time. One-third of your being all the time is one with the Lord. You ever been, you know, you're, you're about to take off. You're in a plane, and it's raining outside, and it's stormy outside. And uh, you, you're in that plane, and then all of a sudden the plane starts going off the runway, and you're taking off, and you break the cloud cover. 
And what's it like on the other side of that cloud cover? Sunshine, clear, no problems. You know what our soul is? Our soul is like that rainy day. Gloomy, rainy, problems, situations. You know what our spirit is like? Breaking the cloud cover. Sunshine, peace, rest, comfort. You know what? You don't have to stay in the rainy day. You don't have to. Brothers, once you see his address, you never have to stay in your emotions. Brothers, we don't have to stay in our stubborn will. We have a way to touch Christ daily and the address, because we know his address, he's in our spirit. Okay, then uh, let's read C together. Ready? Go. Okay, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13. You know, brothers, when the Lord, I just want you to break through in this matter of physical to spiritual. I want you to have a breakthrough. Tonight, I want you to have a breakthrough. There has been a change in the universe. I know you talk to a lot of people. Man, I wish I could have been there with Jesus. I wish I could have been with the disciples. It would have been so neat seeing Peter walk on water and then start to sink. It would have been so neat seeing all those people, the 5,000, and he breaks two loaves, or five loaves and two fish feeds them all. It would have been so neat to be there. I, I know it's hard to break through. But you know what? As the physical Jesus, he was limited by time and space. If you weren't there, you did not get anything from this Lord Jesus unless you were there in the same place he was at. He was limited. But today, he's available. It's like this. You know, it says we're in one spirit. We're all baptized into one body. It's like a big swimming pool. Now, just think about it. When you dive into a swimming pool, the water is all around you. It's trying to get into your nose. It's trying to get in your ears. It's trying to get in your mouth. And you have to do whatever it takes to keep the water from getting into you. You know what? We have to take away all the restrictions tonight. We have all been baptized into the Spirit. Every one of us. And the Spirit wants to be everything to us. But the problem is, we don't always cooperate. And we don't let the Spirit in. This is why, brothers, we have to learn to open, to let the Spirit in. And one of the best places to open is your mouth. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, let's all read that together. Ready? Go. You know what? It is an amazing thing when you find your mouth. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but I'll tell you, I was Jewish before. I had a dynamic salvation experience by myself in my room on my knees, praying, help me, Jesus. It was dynamic. And the Lord flooded me. 
I mean, real brothers. I got up and if you want to ever saw a dancing Jew, there was one there in that room dancing and going, I am happy for the first time in my life. I mean, I was so filled with the spirit. You know what the problem was, brothers? I didn't know how to repeat that experience. I mean, it was real, but I didn't know how to repeat it. And, you know, by the Lord's mercy, I got in a car with some brothers going to Houston. And I heard one brother say, praise the Lord. And I said, oh, no, man, I'm with a bunch of holy rollers. I just I just thought it was to me. And I'm not even raised in Christian home. I just thought that was the weirdest thing. Praise the Lord. I mean, that sounded just like, whoa. And uh, so anyways, but I was desperate enough. I wanted to get back to what I got when I got saved. And so the brothers on the way to Houston taught me how to open my mouth. And they taught me how to call on the Lord. And I want to tell you something, brothers. In the spiritual realm, I was the Goodyear blimp. I was so filled with the Spirit when I got to Houston. You could have touched me and I would have popped. I was so filled with the Spirit. I mean, brothers, simple. It's so simple. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I mean, brothers, 300 miles to Houston from Baton Rouge, calling the whole way. And I mean, I found my mouth. I found my spirit. I found how to touch the Lord. I mean, that one trip to Houston changed the entire course of my life. That one trip to Houston. I mean, because it, it, all of a sudden it made Christ not this kind of mystical thing that happened to me and made me happy, but it became very concrete, tangible, touchable, something solid that I could every day touch the Lord. And brothers, I used to practice. When I got back, I would practice. I'd be there and I'd say, okay, I'm going to see how many times it takes. So I'd be there and I'd go, Lord Jesus. And then nothing would happen. Then I'd do it again. Lord Jesus. Yeah, then... No, nothing happened. Lord Jesus. And about the third time, I just sensed this little spring of water flowing inside of me. I'm going, oh, good, he's still there. Great, great. <laughs> okay. I, doesn't that sound funny? I'm telling you, he's always there, and I'm there going, oh, good, he's still there. Well, you know, brothers, it's, it's brothers, it, it, it's, it's romantic. That's all I can say is our life for the Lord is like a romance. It's so romantic. You're getting to know this person inside of you. And you, you have these sweet little experiences where you're in a room and you're, nobody's there and you practice calling on the Lord. Or you're in your car and you practice calling on the Lord and you touch him in a sweet way. It's a divine romance. And every day we have these little experiences where we touch him. And brothers, he's real because he's the spirit and he's living in our spirit and he's available. Okay, let's go to the next point. Then uh, D says, walking by the spirit. Uh, at this point, I wanted to mention there's a very, very famous book. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit about this book. Have you ever heard of this book called In His Steps? I don't know if you've heard this book. Now, listen. 
about 10 years ago, maybe it was a little longer, I know that a number of the young people used to have like these little bracelets called WWJD. And now, if you're wearing one tonight, I didn't see it, I'm not, I'm not talking about you, because I prepared this message days ago. So if you have it, don't slip it off real quick and throw it in your pocket. I'm, I'm not, this is not to dump on that. I just want you to, I want you to get some background to this, okay? I really thought, I didn't know this until I did some research, that that was a very, very recent uh, thing, WWJD. Actually, it's not recent at all. Now, let me read this little thing here. It says, In His Steps is a best-selling book written by Charles Monroe Sheldon, first published in 1896. Now, listen to this. The book has sold more than 30 million copies and ranks as one of the best-selling books of all time. Now, listen to this next sentence. The full title of the book, In His Steps, colon, What Would Jesus Do? That's the full title of the book. In His Steps, colon, What Would Jesus Do? Okay? In His Steps takes place in a railroad town of Raymond. Now, first of all, I want to tell you it's fictional. Okay? It's, it's not a nonfiction book. It's a fictional book. Uh, probably located in the eastern USA, Chicago, Illinois, and the coast of Maine are mentioned as being accessible by train. The main character is Reverend Henry Maxwell, pastor of the First Church of Raymond, who challenges his congregation to not do anything for a whole year without first asking, what would Jesus do? And then he goes on and he tells you how he kind of came to this idea of what would Jesus do. The novel begins on Friday morning when a man out of work appears at the front door of Henry Maxwell while the latter is preparing for the Sunday's upcoming sermon. Maxwell listens to the man's helpless plea briefly before brushing him away and closing the door. The same man appears in church at the end of the Sunday sermon and walks up to the open space in front of the pulpit and faces the people. No one stops him. He quietly but frankly confronts the congregation. I'm not complaining, just stating facts about their, about their compassion or apathetic lack thereof for the jobless like him and Raymond. Upon finishing his address to the congregation, he collapses and dies a few days later. The next Sunday, Henry Maxwell, deeply moved by the events of the past week, presents a challenge to his congregation. Do not do anything without first asking, what would Jesus do? So I just want you to get the whole concept of where this whole idea came from what would Jesus do? Okay, actually, I, I didn't know any of this before I did this research on it. And it sounds very, very good. What would Jesus do? There's, there's a problem with it, though. And the problem is, is that it's not in the Bible. And that the Bible does say something else. So if you look at Galatians 5.25, let's go ahead and read what 5.25 says. 
okay, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Uh, I would say this, we shouldn't ask, what would Jesus do? We need to ask this, what is Jesus doing in me? In other words, if you know, all the way up to this point, we talked about his address, he's in us, he's available. Now we have to realize we have to walk by this living person inside of us. Okay, now, with Galatians, the, what was the problem with the Galatian believers? What, what was going on there? The problem was is that Judaizers were coming in, and they were trying to bring the believers back to the law. What is the principle of the law? Right and wrong. Yeah, just you have to get this point. It's critical. So many times we'll ask, we'll we'll say, let's just take something very simple. Okay, uh, should I go to Dallas tomorrow? Okay, now you just consider that question. Should I go to Dallas tomorrow? Uh, if we're just in the principle of right and wrong, is there anything wrong with that? Just morally, is there anything wrong with going to Dallas? There's nothing wrong with it. So many times we make decisions based on, well, there's nothing wrong with it. But there's something deeper, and that is, what is the Spirit doing? Is the Spirit going to Dallas? And in other words, we need to have, you know how we're talking about having a turn from a physical Jesus to a spirit, uh, a pneumatic Christ living in us. We need to have a turn from right and wrong to is it Christ. Okay, how about this? What school you choose to go to? You know, it's so funny. A lot of times we have uh, <laughs> the, the freshmen that come to UT and we ask them about choosing University of Texas. And it's funny, Tim and I, we're just there looking at them and they're going, this was my last choice. I didn't want to come to University of Texas. And I tried to get into this school. I couldn't even get into Central Connecticut State. They wouldn't even take me in. The only place left was University of Texas. Right, Tim? We used to hear these testimonies all the time. I know you didn't want to come. How about Jesus? Did he want to come? See, this is the question we have to ask. Hey, Whitney, you came from California, right? How do you like the hot weather in Texas, Whitney? You don't like it, do you? Oh, you don't mind. You're okay. Okay. So do you love everything about Texas? <laughs> wow. We got a first, Tim. <laughs> That's okay, Whitney. Stay a little longer. <laughs> Brothers, is there life and peace inside? Okay, so people ask, okay, they have this, and you can write these down. So the question is, is okay, how do I walk by the Spirit? And it's a good question. How do I walk by the Spirit? You know, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You know, as you, you know, like we had uh, some sharing on morning revival, right? And uh, that was today, and we practiced morning revival, and uh, we're in the Word, and you heard a lot of testimonies uh, this afternoon about reading the Gospel of John. 
you know, as we're living in the Spirit, we're, we're taking care of the life practices. We're praying. We're having morning revival. We're uh, touching the Lord in a daily way. The Spirit gives us a certain inner sense or consciousness. Okay, if you're living by the Spirit, living in the Spirit, you get a certain sense, a certain consciousness. And in your daily life, when you're going in a certain direction, that consciousness will be one of two ways. If you start heading in a direction and it gets real dry and you're real uneasy inside and unpeaceful inside, right at that point, you need to reevaluate reevaluate. Am I walking by the Spirit? You know, that verse that we have there, right there, Romans 8, 6, it says it right there. We should read it together. Ready? Go. Right. Okay. When you start going in a direction and it's not according to the Spirit, no peace inside, no rest inside, dryness inside, weakness inside. But when you are, make a decision based on the Spirit, you're full of life. You're strengthened. You're watered inside. You're, you're full of peace, full of rest, full of comfort inside. So we have to have a turn from merely walking according to right and wrong to walking according to life and peace. Okay, you see that verse? I put that one verse there, Luke 179. Let's read it together. Go. You know what the Christian's life is? It's a life of the way of peace. In other words, you have peace as you're heading in this direction, keep going. You don't have peace, it's like a yellow light, you better slow down. Maybe this isn't the way the Lord's going. You have to take care of the sense of life and peace inside. Then in E it says being led by the Spirit. Let's read Romans 8.14. Ready, go. Yeah, I like this. It says sons. You know, in 16 it says children, but here it says sons. You know what that says? There's some that have matured a little bit. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are sons. And being led by the Spirit as a son, it doesn't depend on outward things. A lot of times we depend on outward things, but if you've grown up a little bit, you're not living in the realm of outward signs and indicators but you're living in the realm of the Spirit. So does anybody have, you know, it's hard to, I always have this problem because we're in such an electronic age. Does anybody have a physical Bible with them? Physical. Okay, young Will, come on up. Ah, it's fine. Okay. So, you know, this is the way we are as children. Okay, what, what, just tell me something you want to do. It's not a right or wrong matter. You, you, do you want to go somewhere? Oh. Where do you want to go? Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. No, I'm talking about like Puerto Rico. Oh, or, yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, he wants to go to Spain. Okay, so what he does is, it's like this. Get the leading of the spirit. Ready? Well, get your finger ready. Okay? Yeah. Go. Put your finger down. Just, no, you got to go like this, Well, Like that. Oh. Close your eyes. Okay, ready? Okay, ready? Here we go. Okay, read the verse quick. And the woman who had come together with him out of Galilee. Yeah. 
followed after and behold the tomb and how his body was laid. What does that have to do with going to Spain? Okay. Yeah, Galilee. That's close to Spain, right? Okay. Okay. You think, it sounds, it looks kind of funny, but you know what? Do you know people do that every day? Boom. Like that. Okay. You know, and then they pick up, you know, they, they say, oh, Lord, should I do this? And then they read the verse, and Judah went and hanged himself. You know, something like that. And it's like. Okay, sisters, you're on the way to the store. Okay, here we go. You're driving to the store. And, uh, you know, I always give the sister a hard time with shoes. Shoes. I have a daughter, so I know what it's like. From the time she was three years old, when we went to the department store, shoes. I said, how can this person, she's only three, be interested in shoes? All the time, the colors, this and that. I mean, for her birthday, she wants boots, this and that. I'm like, what is the deal with shoes? I mean, I take, I take my sons into the store. Oh, yeah, Dad, that's fine. Let's go. You know, it's not, not even think about it. Okay, but shoes. So, all right, there's these nice, colorful shoes. I don't know what the latest style is. Driving to the store, and you're driving, and there's no peace inside. No rest. You even have the money. Money's not a problem. And, uh, and, you know, the other ones are wearing out, so you start rationalizing. I really do need these. And, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're convincing yourself, I need them, I have the money, I've got this. Okay, okay, and then you still have no peace inside, so you go, all right, if I get to the store and there's a space right in the front, that's the Lord I'm going in to get the shoes. <laughs> so you drive to the store, and all of a sudden, this lady pulls right out, and there's a space right in the front. And you go in the store, and that's it. Get in the shoes. And, and you're dying inside. Okay, brothers, we need, to, we need to become sons. I love this verse because it says, as many as are led by the Spirit, these are sons. Children are looking for signs. Sons are following the leading of the Spirit within. We have to be sons. So one time an older brother shared with us, he said this. Okay, you fill in the blank. What is the biggest sign that you're growing in life? Hey, Sayun, what's the biggest sign that you're growing in life? Okay, you want to grow? Okay, you think about it. Do you want to grow? Hey, Mary, do you want to grow? Don't worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot, Mary. So what's the biggest sign that you're growing in life? You know, some people could say, well, I read my Bible every day. I have morning watch every day. Hey, Madi, what's the biggest sign? Madi, how long have you been serving now? I remember her as a freshman. So glad you're still serving. So glad, Madi. What's the biggest sign you're growing in life? Hey, Johnny Baines, you're not going to escape. <laughs> you know, Don shared this with me. I will never forget it. 
You know what the biggest sign is? What did you say? Wait, wait, wait. I, I didn't hear it. Could you say it a little while? That's good. That's good. But what I, the answer I'm looking for is a little more organic. That is good, though. The biggest, it is, it is very good. Okay, the biggest sign you're growing is that there are more conflicts inside between you and the Lord. Let me say it again. The biggest sign that you're growing is that there are more struggles inside between you and the Lord. I want to buy this, no peace. I want to go here, no peace. I want to go to this school, no peace. I want to buy, you know... All these little things are struggles inside between you and the Lord. When you let the Lord defeat you, your growth goes way up. But most of the time, even though we know it's important, we just it's hard for us to be obedient. But the fact that you have those struggles is a huge sign that you are growing. If you go into the store and you just buy whatever shirt you want to buy, and you buy whatever pants you want to buy, and sisters, you buy whatever shoe you want to buy, and you go home and you brag about it to the other sisters, I am worried for you. I'm serious. The biggest sign that you're growing, you have lots of conflicts between you and the Lord about all sorts of things. Lots and lots of conflicts. This is a sign you're growing. You know what? If I don't have morning revival, if I'm not reading the Word daily, you know that that conflict gets really weak. Gets really weak. And you know, it's like the red light. You know know how the red lights are these days? They have those tiny little lights. What are those called? The little... it's It's a different type of light now. It's not... LEDs, yeah. So sometimes, you know, you'll come up to a red light and you notice some of them are missing. And, you know, some of them are kind of, you know, not there. Your red light, most of them are missing. If we don't have time with the Lord. But brothers, if you're having a time with the Lord, they're all there. If you're touching the Lord daily, if you're in the Word daily, if you're with the brothers praying daily, the life within will be really keen will be really sensitive inside and as you go in a certain direction lord might say no i don't want you to take that direction then you have a struggle okay let me just say this even you win still it's positive a lot of times we think oh it's negative i just would disobey the lord again no it's positive because you're getting to know the lord it's very very positive but if you don't have any struggles in your daily life that's worrisome. And you have to go back and check, am I in the life practices? Is the, is the, it, it, or am I missing something so the, the light there, the yellow light is weak, the red light is weak. Okay, brothers, we need to grow. Okay, three, the indwelling spirit. I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick. So the spirit is in us now. Uh, you read Romans 8, 9. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Okay, what's the spirit doing? What's his job? What's his function? Okay, who's got a job here? 
All right, sister, what, what job do you have? Stand up and tell us what your job is. Okay, nursing home. Okay. And you probably tend to the people there, take care of them in some sort of way, right? Certified nurse. Very good. Okay, now I want to tell you what the Spirit's job is. Okay, we, we got your job. Now we're going to tell you what the Spirit... Now, wait. No, you keep standing. It's okay. Okay, what do you think the Spirit's job is? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just in general. Don't read. No, no, no. Don't look at it. What? Yeah. What do you think the Spirit's job is? Yeah, he dwells in us, but what's his job inside of us? Okay, who else? Okay, you keep standing. Who else has a job here? Is this the Arkansas, I mean, the uh, Arkansas contingent right here? Okay, who else has a job? Okay, you have one. What, what is your job? Oh, man, I'm coming to visit you. Uh, what do you think the Spirit's job is? Okay, he lives in you. We established that. We know his address, our human spirit. We know he's available. We know that he's leading and guiding us. But what's his job? What's his job description? Hey, Whitney, what's his job description? Okay, help, help these sisters. What, what's the Spirit's job description? Oh, very good. Okay, did you hear what she said? Okay, shout it out to everyone. Amen. Okay, thank you, sisters. Look at look what it says there. Imparting life. You know what his name is? Life-giving spirit. You know what the first job of the spirit is? To give you life. And he gives life to all three parts of our being, okay? Uh, sisters on 810, ready, go. Okay, so our spirit is made alive. Okay, brothers, on Romans 8, 6. So even he gives life to our soul, to our mind. Okay, then together on 8, 11. Ready, go. So, he gives life to our spirit, he gives life to our soul, he gives life to our body. Then B says, anointing us with God's element. The verse says, and you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know. And then in 27, and as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. Okay, so we have an anointing. This word anointing is what is called a verbal noun. A verbal noun. In other words, the noun itself is ointment. But when the ointment moves, it anoints. So this is a verbal noun. In other words, the Spirit is imparting life. And as He's imparting life, He is anointing. So, Sean, where's Sean? You came up here with the Austin Saints. Is Sean here? Come on up, Sean. Hurry up, Sean. <laughs> okay. 
So if you missed this afternoon, Sean gave a little testimony. Come on up, Sean. And uh, what did you, come over here, Sean. Don't be afraid of me. Come on over here. Okay. So, Sean, what did you tell everybody about when you came to, to UT? Were you looking for God? Uh, not really. I was more focused on academics. So. You weren't looking for a Christian group? No. Okay. All right. So, anyways, you know, he knew Chile and, and uh, he, he started coming. So, it's like this. Here, come on over here, Sean. So, uh, it's like this. Let's say this is Sean right here. How do you spell it? So, Sean started coming to the welcome dinners. Is that the first thing you came to? Ice cream, yeah. And did you enjoy that? Okay, so when he did that, listen. The, the spirit started painting. Just one stripe, not a lot. Anointing. Then, what was the next thing you came to? Was it a, 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 did you come to a home meeting eventually? Yeah, how was the home meeting? Yeah. Got some more stripes in the home meeting. Okay, then Sean, did you read the Bible? Oh, that was good, yeah. Some more, some more. <laughs> More anointing here, more stripes, okay? Uh, and then, uh, how about morning revival? Yeah, what about morning revival? Tell us about that. Yeah, well, basically, like me and a few brothers from where I live, we just started to have morning revival. Okay, Sean, tell, tell them what's going on with morning revival. Hello? Okay. <laughs> uh, my name is Sean. Oh, my name is Sean. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, so basically, um, me and a couple of other brothers from where we're from, we just started doing the morning revival. And um, I've just really been changed by it because, um, you know, you start the day right. Uh, you uh, eat God. You take him in. And uh, you just, like, live your whole day according to him. Okay. So, how, uh, how many days a week do you guys have morning revival? Uh, every day. Monday, I mean, Sunday through Saturday. Every day. Yeah. Wow. And how long do you have it for? Um, uh, how long does it last? 30 minutes. Okay, okay, 30 minutes. Now you think about this. Here's a freshman, comes to UT, doesn't even look for a Christian group, is not even interested, and he's having morning revival seven days a week with the brothers. Do you know what's happening at that morning revival? <laughs> I'm telling you, lots and lots of painting. Lots and lots of pain. Eventually, you know, Sean is involved in so much in the enjoyment of Christ. Where's Chili? Where's Chili? Chili. Can you even recognize him now? I, can't, I mean, I bet you, you knew him in high school, right? It's a different person. You know what happened? He got painted, is what happened. And you know what? Every stripe that he gets painted doesn't seem like much. But I tell you what, you add all those things together, lots of painting, lots of God added to your being. Eventually, the painting is what changes you. Don't think, oh man, I need to change, I need to you know, shape up, I need to be a good... No, you believe in the painting, trust the painting. The painting will change you. Thank you, Sean. Okay, one time I was with an older brother, and uh, we were with some young people, and uh, so the sister asked, is it okay to go to the beach in the summer? <laughs> and 
And I was sitting there and saying, I'm not saying anything. I want to hear what he says. So I was thinking, if he says it's not okay, we lost her. If he says it's okay, you might stumble her. What is this brother going to say? You think about it. Somebody asks you about something like that. What, what is the brother going to say? So you know what he, this is what he shared with his sister. I will never forget as long as I live. He said this, he said, he said, Barbie? That was her name, Barbie. <laughs> he said, Barbie? Not like Ken and Barbie. <laughs> so he says, Barbie, you have an anointing inside of you. And that anointing is painting you. Every day it's painting you. And what you need to do is go to the Lord and say, Lord, concerning going to the beach, paint me. And you'll know what to do. And I will never forget that as long as I live. Because he didn't say yes, and he didn't say no. He was downtown God's economy, right down the middle. He was there, and I realized this is the way we have to be. We have to be people that help people get to Christ and know Christ. This is the way we have to be. Okay, then uh, ceiling, I'll just, we're pro pretty much out of time. We need to give the saints some time to share. So I'll just say the seal comes in, and it, it denotes two things, ownership and expression, and it is sealing us. And wherever it spreads, the Lord gains us, and he gets expression. And then pledging uh, gives us a foretaste of the full taste. And uh, not only do we have him anointing and sealing, but there's a taste with it. It's not just blind faith. We have a taste, and he gives us a sweet taste. Okay, I could go further, but I want you to have time. So let's bring the microphones up. And uh, you can share from any meeting. You don't have to share from this meeting. Uh, There's some excellent sharing on the, the first two meetings, even something from the Word this morning. Uh, but uh, let's have some overflow. We probably have, what, about 15 minutes maybe? Yeah, about 15 minutes. Okay, good.